The planet is heating up. The oceans are becoming filled with plastic. Change starts now. Change starts now. We're on a countdown to zero waste. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Here's your host, Laura Nash. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zero Waste Countdown podcast and radio show. Today, we're speaking with Adam Shine. He's the vice president of Sun King, and this is a place in upstate New York, and they are recycling electronic waste and rebuilding and refurbishing and all that stuff. So, Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah. Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So I want to learn all about your company and uh, and what you guys are doing. So if you want to give us a little run through about what Sun King is and uh, what you do. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So we were founded in the year 2000 by uh, a guy named Dwayne Beckett, who is still with the company today and still the primary owner of the business. And uh, ultimately, Dwayne was working in the scrap metal field uh, at the time when he got the idea to, to start Sun King, he was seeing different materials and equipment come through the scrap piles and, and the material. And he was thinking to himself, hey, I, I think there's value left in, in this equipment. I think I can find people that would be interested in buying this and reusing it. So with that, he... He got the idea, and, and of course, not only did he have the vision, but he actually followed through with, you know, starting the company and and getting a truck and going around and uh, developing relationships with companies in the area to, uh, you know, take uh, and or buy their refurbish or their old assets that he could then refurbish and resell. So. Fast forward now, 21 years later, we're we're still in the business, and we've grown to over 100 employees with three facilities uh, in New York State, just outside of Rochester, New York, Buffalo, and Utica. And we ultimately have grown so much in terms of the volume that we're handling that, unfortunately, refurbishing and resale is only a small part of what we do nowadays, and recycling uh, is a much larger part because... We get a lot of obsolete end-of-life electronics that we have to properly recycle and manage the data for and uh, all of those things. So certainly the best form of recycling is is refurbish and reuse. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of what we see and, and with technology expanding and, and moving as fast as it does, a lot of what we get in is, is end-of-life. So we shred it or we have manual disassembly and ultimately we, we capture all of the metals contained in the plastic and, and sell those off to, to make new products. Nice. Uh, so what kind of items are you getting? So I assume like office, uh, maybe printers and computers. And uh, what are some of the other other things that people are bringing to you or that you're collecting? Yeah, you know, it's it's always a misconception that an electronics recycler is handling anything other than just your traditional office equipment. But the reality is we're getting a lot of very uh, variation in terms of the material coming in. As a matter of fact, it's fascinating if you walk around our facility to see some of the equipment and and oftentimes we have people come in the tour and say god we had no idea but we handle things you know even the the smallest things like kids shoes that light up and are powered by batteries we handle those 
we handle drones and medical gear and laboratory equipment and industrial controls and audio video equipment and really at the end of the day it's anything with the quarter circuit board not just your traditional computer laptop printer and and monitor it's it's much more than that so um, and, and, and ever expanding, frankly, too. Now you have a lot of, you know, smart devices out there, light bulbs as, as an example, where you could have uh, not only a circuit board inside the light bulb, but it could also have flash memory on there. So you have, you know, concerns about data. And, and so we see stuff like that nowadays as well. And frankly, with the Internet of Things, I think what we do and, and where we're going is, is going to look completely different you know, between now and 10 years from now. That reminds me of this meme that I've, I saw that says, I tried to charge my book, but my roommate was charging his cigarette and the future is weird. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I, I hadn't seen that one, but I'm going to have to look that up. Everything is electronic now, you know, there's just, yeah, so many that, you know, I, I, I love it in some respects, obviously it's, it's what I do for a living, but, uh, but you know, to have to charge everything is is really daunting. But you know, wireless charging they say is coming, so we'll see. Maybe that'll make everything a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just so many things that I I can think of right now around my house that are electronic, like even robot vacuums. I'm on my third one over. <laughs> I don't know, six years or something. Maybe I should have spent the, you know, spent more money and got the Roomba, but I got these other ones and yeah, good. They did a good job, and I still have them because I'm not really sure where I should send them. But I, I, I do know our area has like e-waste kind of drop-offs. Ontario, yeah, they have the Ontario uh, stewardship program. So uh, I think uh, OES, Ontario Environmental Stewardship Program. So yeah, certainly there are plenty of opportunities in the Ontario area, but but of course you can always, uh, you know, box them up and ship them to Sun King as well. We'll be happy to, to take care of those. Oh, really? So if someone's in Canada, they can send something to you? Sure. Yeah, actually, we, we do get material uh, from even some manufacturers up in Canada. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a huge part of our business, but uh, but expanding and, and you know, I know uh, getting over the border from a commercial perspective is not an issue right now, even though you and I can't travel over the border. Yeah, yeah. Everything is still still moving. And if you have a business, you can kind of still go over too. I know if you need to do something like that. So yeah, it's not it's not totally closed, as they say, but it is it is like kind of closed, I guess you could say. But yeah, no, it's 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 tough. I, you know, actually, my neighbors are, are from Ontario. And I, I, I believe because they're healthcare workers, they've been able to get back. But uh, but yeah, no, it's been tough. But from a business perspective, the borders are open still and, and we are able to uh, to do some work back and forth. So um, it's from that perspective, it's it's been OK. But certainly we'd like to visit Canada again. And, and likewise, I'm sure you'd like to come to the U.S. Yeah. So that's cool to know that I guess like waste uh, is still open across the border. Like if you have waste and recycling issues or whatnot, I guess that stuff can can still come across. Right. So that's kind of cool. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, very much still open for trade. So that Mm. uh, that material can travel. Nice. Um, So let's talk about the problem with e-waste. Do you call it e-waste or do you call it something else? Yeah, we, we call it, uh, it, typically I call it e-scrap um, because it's not waste in, in our opinion. It's uh, uh, scrap that, that either can be reused or turned into metal. So when you think of scrap metals, 
as an example, you think about being able to reuse those scrap metals. When you think about the term waste, uh, you you think about just that waste. Waste to me is is garbage. So yeah, we call it electronic scrap typically, and and in some cases uh, it can be refurbished and resold, and in other cases it's broken down and recycled properly. But we don't call it we don't traditionally call it waste in in our industry. So I would think that like electronic scrap, this stuff is maybe a bit worse than let's just say plastic or something. Um, so are there kind of dangers associated with it? Like are there um, things we have to worry about that's maybe not good to send them to the dump? Like why is it important to get this stuff out of the normal waste stream? Yeah, it, that's a great question. And the answer is is yes, it is worse than, than in some cases plastics, although there are plastics that contain brominated flame retardants and different things that can be very harmful to the environment as well. So, uh, but, but in the case of electronics in particular, there's lead and gallium and, and many different types of heavy metals that can ultimately... Uh, won't break down over time, of course. So they'll just sit there forever. And and furthermore, they'll uh, they could seep into the water table, you know, and create major environmental issues. Uh, so they have to be handled in a really safe and environmentally friendly manner. So uh, I know in the case of New York, as of January first, two thousand fifteen, you know, throwing electronics out became uh, banned in in this state. Yeah, we have like a battery day usually where you can just kind of put your batteries in a bag and put them out with your normal recycling. So that waste facility kind of takes those. And we do have e-drop-offs, like electronic drop-offs a few times a year, which is cool. So it seems like a big push to separate it and get it out of there, right? Which is good. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is a lack of really education. So uh, it's it grows every day and it's something that we work on constantly. But like what you just mentioned, we do electronic uh, recycling events. We just had a big one uh, in Buffalo. And, you know, it's a day where people can come and drop off electronics and, and know that they're going to be processed in an environmentally friendly manner, that all data will be wiped uh, and or deleted off of the drives um, or, or the drives destroyed themselves. Uh, and, and it's amazing to me because there is ongoing opportunities for people to recycle electronics, whether it's dropping off directly at our facility or uh, we have collection partners, uh, meaning municipalities, uh, towns, cities throughout the state that are collecting on our behalf. But all of that said, it, it still amazes me how many people show up at our events. And, and really, obviously, COVID had an impact on the events. We, we canceled them for a while. Uh, and, and during the cancellation, while things were a little bit quieter, we thought about you know, new ways to, to handle the events as a result of COVID, ways to make our, our people there safe. And one of the things we came up with was pre-registering for our events. And uh, the reason being is we wanted to assign people to 15-minute increments to ultimately spread them out at the event, uh, you know, people that were dropping off. And by the way, when they drop off, they don't even get out of their car. They pull through. We have people unload the car for them. But just so as not to create so much chaos, we did these pre-registrations based on 15-minute increments. And it has been one of the greatest things that we have ever done for a number of reasons. One is it keeps people safe because it spreads people out. 
Two, it makes the flow at events way better so people aren't having to wait as long. And three, it gives us data on how many cars came and how much, on average, weight there was per car, uh, the types of equipment that that we received. Uh, so it's it's you know it's it's really been fantastic. Some of the changes that have resulted from COVID, not COVID itself, of course. So from an organizational standpoint, were you almost like selling free tickets for time slots or something? And like if everybody wanted to come at nine o'clock, you could only have like 50 people. And so it would sell out or something. How did you do that? Yeah, that's exactly right. So we have, you know, I can't remember exactly what the math is on it, but we have typically anywhere from 10 to 12 lines at an event. So everybody comes in through one line and then they filter through one of the 12 lanes that we have. And and so we allow so many signups per every 15 minute block so that it's on a first come first serve basis. We open up registration on our website. You have to go in, register, you pick a time if that time is sold out. And it's, I shouldn't say sold out because it doesn't cost anything. It's free to, to come to these events. But if that time is already blocked out or booked, uh, you have to pick another time. And if unfortunately the whole event is booked, then you have to look at a, another event. And we typically hold anywhere from 20 to 25 events a year throughout New York State. Wow. And this all started with a guy in a truck, right? Like he just had this dream and and built it into this huge company. Yeah, I, I'm not sure he had this dream, meaning uh, doing collection events. Uh, and I'm, I'm saying that jokingly a little bit. You know, again, the, the, the focus was refurb and resale of electronics, which... Uh, if you look at the recycling, you know, triangle reuse is the best form of recycling. So that was his ultimate goal was to say, hey, let me take some of this outdated technology that might not be right for company XYZ. But, you know, I know people personally that might want it. That was that was his dream. And and then from that, it grew. And, you know, there was a period of time up until 2011 when all we did was service businesses. That's that's it. Uh, and that's where we get the majority of our resale stuff is through business relationships. So uh, B2B type stuff. Uh, in 2011, what changed was that New York State put a law in place requiring manufacturers to pay for free and convenient recycling of electronics. And at that time, we sat around a conference table and said, hey, do we want to be involved in this or not? We ultimately decided that we did. And uh, so now, ever since really 2011, we have been servicing not only B2B, but also business to consumer as well. So between these collection events that we hold and also the collection sites, I would say about 50% of our material is commercial and and the other 50% is residential. And the residential material is much more ripe for recycling, whereas the business material is much more ripe for resale and refurb. So do you guys have people in-house that are repairing and making new electronics out of this older stuff? Or does that go to, do you kind of just sell it to people who would make electronics? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, we have people in house. So, nice. uh, yeah, we have a what we call an inventory production room where we have a lot of people that have been with us for a long time and really know different electronics and they're testing, uh, making sure that there's functionality, full functionality or partial functionality. In some cases, we can't fix everything, but we we can test and sell something 
uh, let's just take a computer, for example, you might have 10 USB ports and one of the USB ports might be bad. Well, the cost to repair that USB port outweighs the, the value of the machine itself. So you might just sell it saying, hey, we have tested everything. There's one bad USB port and people still want it and buy it because it's a fraction of the cost of new. But mm -hmm. we also have a whole team of testers. We have technicians that replace and repair different parts and components. Ultimately, you know, a lot of the material that we get in uh, is able to be refurbished and, and resold. And, you know, that that becomes not only is that uh, the best form of recycling, but it also happens to be where bigger margins are. If you get something, um, you know, that's low cost or, or not needed by a company anymore, um, sometimes depending on the agreement, depending on how much material they have, we may work on a consignment deal with them where we say, Hey, we'll take all of your equipment and we'll give you a kickback on anything we sell. Uh, we may buy it outright or we may get it for free and, and ultimately turn around and sell it. Now, obviously there's a tremendous amount of labor and, and process that goes into it. So I don't want it to sound like, uh, you know, it's, you're making money hand over fist. You have to obviously bring in the equipment. If there's data containing devices, whether it's a hard drive, flash memory, a solid state drive, whatever it is, you have to pull that out. You have to wipe it. Uh, in some cases you're shredding it depending on the size. And then ultimately you're putting a new drive back into that equipment. Then you're, testing it, fully testing it. You might have to reinstall an operating system. In the case of mobile phones, as an example, we have to uh, reinstall the, the operating system on the phone. In the case of computers and laptops, obviously, we have to put Windows back on it. So a lot of, lot of parts and steps that take place. But ultimately, uh, when you can reuse something, it's the best form of recycling uh, in terms of, you know, water consumption and greenhouse gas gases and, and low carbon emissions and all of those things. It's it's great. And, and also it tends to be more profitable than the small margins we work on on the recycling side. Seems like it provides some like higher skill jobs, too. Right. Because I think that a lot of this stuff would be above my head, certainly <laughs> when I would if I was trying to repair some electronics. So, uh, it, I mean, I think that sounds like a good job. Right. People are probably happy doing that and skilled. I, yeah, I think people love it. Uh, there, There is definitely a type that we get, uh, you know, typically it's somebody who's come from a trade school. Uh, somebody who's interested in electronics, people who have built their own computers. Uh, those people come in and, they, yeah, they get to play with electronics all day. And, yes, it is a higher skilled position because you have to have knowledge of the equipment that you're working on. And, and, and look, again, as I alluded to earlier, there are so many different things that we see that, you know, we can't possibly hire a guy with the knowledge of everything that he's going to see here. So, very much it's an opportunity to learn and grow and and play with new things and and any you know sort of technology geeks out there that that like to do that uh, probably myself included to a certain extent uh, you know we get to come in and and play with these things all day and and learn uh what the latest technology is and and figure out how to turn old back into new yeah that's awesome i think that those kinds of jobs are really good 
for people. And it's, it's funny, you might not think of that in when you're thinking in terms of waste, right? But um, it's kind of a, I would say, a fun thing to do. Like maybe if your kids like video games or something, you know, maybe when they're older, they'll be uh, they'll be refurbishing electronics or something like that to help save the environment. And also it, it helps people save a lot of money too, right? Like if you want to buy a computer for $1,000, you know, if you're short on cash, maybe you can find one that's been refurbished for like a couple hundred, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. You you know your values pretty well. A new one typically is is in the $1000 range and a refurbished one could be in the $250 range. So you're talking about a quarter of the price and uh you know, we found especially at the beginning of COVID, we talked about uh you know, uh, what that was going to do as far as resale and and what effect it would have on our our company and what we found was that a lot of companies were going to remote work and ultimately were in need of having their employees have laptops and chromebooks in the case of schools and and desktops and printers and there was a major shortage initially and and I know manufacturers were extremely backed up trying to get units so I think a lot of people were exposed to the resale market and assuming they had a good experience. I think that's going to bode well for for buying used electronics going forward rather than, you know, if you're not a person that needs the latest, greatest technologies, you're not an early adopter, buying refurbished is very inexpensive. Uh, if you get you know, two or three years out of the device, it's more than paid for itself. And and then you can upgrade again. So it's, uh, it's really been uh, interesting as as COVID has sort of taken over to see where the resale uh, market is gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so on episode 71 of the Zero Waste Countdown, you can check that out online if you like. Uh, we talked to Adam Minter. He's a Bloomberg opinion writer, and he wrote a book called Second Hand. Uh, and he basically followed a bunch of people um, in Africa and uh, down in Mexico. And I think there's a few other places um, and just how skilled these people were. Uh, so they were getting a bunch of the electronics from North America, from Europe. So like you're saying, like the early adopters, you know, Things come out, they're expensive. Um, these people get it. And then in a few years, they want the latest, newest thing. And so they they throw their stuff out and it gets sent over to places like, um, I think Ghana was the place that uh, some some pretty pretty talented people were fixing some stuff. Um, so do you like do you have to send stuff overseas or is it mostly kept in New York or does it go, go all over the US? Like where where does your stuff go? Yeah, it's it's interesting. So first of all, I've I've had the the pleasure of uh, seeing Adam Minter speak uh, on a couple of occasions, and he's he's oh, certainly nice. a brilliant guy. And uh, ultimately, I you know there is a major uh, opportunity to resell, especially to uh, countries you know outside of the U.S. The U.S. is pretty well developed and and pretty much early adopters of electronics, but. You know, as as you get to other areas uh, of the world that are less developed, people are clamoring for electronics. I I once heard that that more people have cell phones than they have electricity. I, I mean, if you could just pause and think about that for a second, more people have cell phones than electricity. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, a pretty wild stat. So when you think about, you know, other countries, um, whether, you know, you're talking about South America or you're talking about Asia you know, Africa, there definitely are people that are happy with an iPhone 6 as an example, because they can't afford an iPhone 12. 
Um, there are people that are happy with, uh, you know, a first gen, uh, you know, i5 laptop because they can't afford uh, a 10th gen i5 laptop uh, that's brand new. So there's absolutely opportunities. It very much is a, a, a global market in terms of resale and uh, ultimately, not only do certain resale items go over, but you know when we shred and produce uh, electronics for um, refining, those go overseas as well because there's refineries that will capture the precious metals. So, uh, it, yeah, it is. Uh, it, there are opportunities certainly to to resell, especially you know mobile phones, laptops, desktops. But also it's it's important that, you know, anybody who's listening to this knows to ask who they're working with from a recycling and refurbishing perspective. You want to deal with somebody who is certified to one of two standards in our industry, one being e-stewards, the other being R2. Uh, and the reason being is because they dictate what the requirements are for selling stuff outside of the U.S. as an example or outside of Canada. Uh, for instance, we are not allowed to sell anything that is untested outside of the U.S. Why? Because then it ends up perhaps in a landfill with kids. Uh, and we've all seen some of the stories on 60 Minutes with kids trying to sort and, and ultimately melt uh, circuit boards to try to get the precious metals. It's not safe. It's not regulated. And ultimately, when you're selling unworking or non-working units outside of the U.S., you have no idea where they're ultimately going to end up. So it's very important that you sell uh, working units only. And, and yes, there is a vast resale market uh, beyond the U.S. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I saw on your website that there was a giant TV. And if you're listening, you probably remember these massive TV sets that had these huge backs to them. And so I just want to ask you, like, do you get a lot of those? How do you deal with something that big and outdated? Yeah, so it's a great question. And uh, it's interesting because, uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but ultimately those have become... Uh, useful again in in the sense that people are are looking to buy these in some cases, which I would have never expected. But ultimately, these these as we call them CRTs, cathode ray tubes, come into us, and they're they've really been a a problem child for the electronics recycling business because generally you can take stuff apart and make a very small margin on any of the equipment that you're dismantling. That is not the case. With CRTs. CRTs are a negative value item. They have two types of glass, leaded and non-leaded glass. The non-leaded glass, very easy to recycle. The leaded glass, not so much. It has to go to a lead smelter that ultimately extracts the lead and turns uh, lead into lead sows that can be used in automotive batteries and other things. And then the glass is left over that's clean. And again, that can be used in concrete aggregate or, or shower tiles as an example. Uh, but ultimately, uh, we take these, we tear them down to the tube, and then they have to be sent out for further processing because you have to separate the two types of glass. Many people do it with a hammer or with special equipment, but there's all sorts of air permitting you need to, to make sure uh, you're adhering to. There's lead dust that that escapes as part of it. So uh, ultimately, we're ripping it down to the glass tube and then sending the glass tube out for further processing. But now, as I mentioned, you know, people are 
interested in buying these and purchasing these uh, for old video games, you know, some of the retro games, Atari and, and Nintendo and the original Nintendo and different things because they have the right hookups for that old equipment. And ultimately, um, you know, some of that older equipment uh, doesn't work as well on some of the newer TVs with higher resolutions. So everything old seems to become new again. And that's part of the beauty in what we do is that every day the market changes. Yeah, I remember that the Duck Hunt gun for original Nintendo <laughs> would only work on those. Sorry, what is it called? Like a tube TV and yes. not a screen? I forget the name. Cathode ray tube. Yeah, cathode oh. ray tube. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you knew about that. Probably. I assume you did. I, I actually, I did not. Uh, oh, but now I'm going to test that theory. But it's, I mean, no, it I, must okay. have something to do with the technology. I do believe you, but I, I, I think it'd be neat to sort of test that theory here and that's the other thing we do we we make like funny videos and different things we got a great marketing uh team and and so maybe that's something that you'll see us do uh is try duck hunter on a <laughs> on a flat panel tv yeah let me know if you do i'm 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 pretty sure that's what i remember um i think we tried it actually a while ago because i still have my original nintendo and that i feel like that gun was way ahead of its time like <laughs> pretty cool uh tech me, me too i love that game that was a great game <laughs> And that dog, like, they, 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 they don't, they don't make them like they used to. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, well, this is great. I think that uh, we got to learn about e-waste because I always wonder like what happens to these things. And Adam Minter really opened my eyes. Secondhand was a really good book. I recommend reading it. It was just eye-opening that, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff and a lot of people need a lot of stuff. And this, you know, electronics don't really belong in the, the dump. Uh, they belong in other places and there could be some bad things in it. So you have to be careful if you're just going to throw it in the trash you know it it could be causing a lot of damage down the road and that, that that is a good point as well if i could just stop you for a second you know even if something's not useful for its original intended purpose you know parts harvesting has become a bigger thing where i might pull a screen off of an iphone 8 the iphone 8 might be damaged or not working the screen might be good though and then i can give that screen new life when i get an iphone 8 in that's got a cracked screen so you know, it goes beyond just reusing whatever the item is for as that item. Again, it's parts that can be reused as well. And so, yeah, and uh, anytime you can reuse even a component, it's it's better than purchasing new. Yeah, if you're driving through, you know, the boondocks or way deep in the country, oftentimes you'll see a house surrounded by like 10 kind of beat up cars or trucks or whatever. And actually, that's what those people are doing, too. Uh, they're keeping their older vehicles and they're part harvesting uh, and they can use parts from one vehicle to put on other ones. And then they'll save that vehicle because you never know in the future if you're going to get another one that needs a part. Um, so, yeah, that that happens uh, in mechanics a lot as well. Um, so we can find you at sunking.com with two N's, right? Like sunking2n.com? That's, that's correct. S-U-N-N-K-I-N-G.com. And, and we used to deal a lot with Sun Microsystems. So that's where the name came from. Nice. 
cool. Um, yeah, this is great. So, uh, yeah, if you want to check out more, you can go on their website. They have a, a video or two on there and um, kind of explain what they do. And wherever you are in the world, you can look up an electronic uh, waste event um, because I think they are very successful and it's nice to just drive up and hand your stuff off and know that they they might have a new home or be refurbished or recycled and being taken care of properly, which I think is great. Um, so thank you very much, Adam. Thank you, Laura. I really appreciate your time and, and having me on. That was Adam Shine. He's the vice president of Sun King in New York. Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast.